0: We'll go back with nobody on the pitch. And takes a ball low. Ball low. Um, There's been questionable calls on the umpires today. (laughs) I agree with you. Everybody, Welcome to another episode of Put Me in Coach. It's a podcast about baseball hosted by a couple of guys that love baseball, and I'm one of them. My name is Matt.
1: And I'm the other one. I'm Carl. Good evening, Matt. Good evening, Carl. How are you? I am well. I am, uh, as I was saying to you off pod, I'm excited uh, and a little nervous uh, for this podcast because uh, you've got something on deck, uh, pun intended, that uh, I am I'm very excited to hear. And uh, I hope that the fans and the listeners are excited to hear, too, because I don't think you're the only person. Yeah, I really don't. We've, I got really some, don't.
0: we've got some interesting ideas and, and fun stuff to explore in this episode. We're kind of doing a potpourri episode, a little bit of grab bag, a little bit of everything. Uh, we are not going to touch on injuries this week. We're saving that till next week, I guess. Well, maybe we'll get to it eventually. Um, so if you're <laughs> tuning in for that, sorry. It'd next be funny time. If,
1: if we just... If, if, if I don't know if you're familiar with like the Jimmy Kimmel, Matt Damon bit. Yeah. It, like how he just always got bumped. Like that was the joke is that Matt Damon had to get bumped. I would think it'd be funny if we just every episode for the rest of the time we do this show, we just say, oh, we're gonna have to do injuries next week. And then we never do it.
0: <laughs> but no, this week we are going to have an explainer on the 2080 scale. I'm ready to get classed on something here. And then um, I'm going to give us all an explainer on my big conspiracy of the season that the Braves are cheating. And not just that they're cheating, but I think I figured out why they're cheating. So we're gonna get into that uh, a little bit later, but first, it's time for the news. (music) The news is of course brought to you every week by the Beer of the Week. Uh, Got this at Craft and Carry on the Upper West Side. This is called Elusive Perception by Barrier Brewing Company in collaboration with other half brewing company. Uh, Barrier is out of Oceanside, and other half is in Brooklyn. It's a pilsner with lemon peel. You'll see it's very very light. It's very hoppy. I'm going to give this a try it's okay. It's pretty good. All right. um, I wanted to give it a shout out too. Uh, uh, I was up north this weekend, had an awful camping trip from hell <laughs> that uh, I did get to enjoy for about five seconds. I get to go to a brewery that was called Upward Brewing Company in Livingston Manor uh, in the Catskills and got to try a sour tart ale called Watercolors that was brewed with pure yuzu juice. Very good beer. And those are the beers of the week
1: right on i love a good sour beer i gotta go find me a good go say
0: yeah do. man you know you're close to oliver t's right i would i would go hit them up
1: i'm i'm an hour away but uh. um but that said you know my my in-laws are still in flint so it wouldn't be too far out of the way plus i got clients out there i'll, I'll next time i'm in flint visiting yeah. clients i'll i'll go swing by oliver t's and and hook myself up
0: all right so speaking of no bad transition <laughs> Let's, cut, let's talk about the big baseball story of the week. Um, not a good story by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Wander Franco of the Tampa Bay Rays was abruptly removed from the lineup on the same day as the TROPS. Wander Franco's snapback hat giveaway for fans 14 and under uh, eventually came out that Franco was accused on social media of abusing a 13 year old girl. Uh, he did not travel on the team plane to San Francisco. The team says that they've mutually agreed to put Franco on the restricted list and that means that uh, he is basically not on the roster anymore he is not getting paid and they're doing this so that the MLB can conduct an investigation and uh, as of press time it sounds like the Dominican Republic this this crime uh, seems to have occurred in the Dominican Republic and they are also um, investigating so uh, bad news from what was uh, uh, hoping to be a kind of hot player this year on a very hot team as well.
1: I'm a I I'm a huge Wander Franco fan as a, as a baseball player. Um, this is a really uh, big bummer. I mean, I, I don't want to undersell it. It's I say it's a bummer. What I mean is, just once as a sports fan, I would like to go a month, a year <laughs> without some more horrible shit Please. happening. Uh, props to the the Tampa Bay Rays and Major League Baseball. Hopefully, they are in fact doing their due diligence. Um, I hope this isn't just sort of a let's wait till this all blows over kind of thing. Um, And God, I I hope it's I I hope it's not (laughs) because God damn it. I want something good. I just want to be able to root for somebody and just not have to go. God damn it. Another piece of shit.
0: Yeah. And there's (sighs) so many of them in the league. And and unfortunately, so many of them that their crimes are just so brushed under the rug. And I'd really hope that, I mean, it seems like the Rays have handled this situation really well, but I'd really hate to see this develop into something that does get brushed under the rug if it all is true.
1: Yeah. I I, I don't want to do like a weird cross promotion, but I think there's, this is relevant. So on our, on my other podcast, Cheap Smut, uh, this week we did a a book, uh, a romance book where there was a, it was a a girl and a football player. The guy, the the main, the main male character was a football player and he was 28 and she's 18 and they, it's an insta love, so they get, they get married like really fast. A, A totally healthy relationship in every other way, except for the fact that he's 28 and she's 18 and my wife Katie was like, oh God, this would be horrible. I said, that would be the 500th worst thing in the (sighs) nfl if if a 28 year old and an 18 year old had just a perfectly healthy marriage a a relationship that is not toxic in any way except for the fact that they're 10 years apart that wouldn't even register (laughs) yeah that's how bad sports can be sometimes
0: well let's pivot to a happier story and
1: I thank god
0: this was a, a fantastic story michael lorenzen through the 14th no-hitter in Philadelphia Phillies history in his first start at home in Philadelphia. Now, while the baseball community roundly mocked the Tigers for sending Lorenzen as their sole representative to the All-Star game, he has a sub-1 ERA since then and is among the league leaders in season ERA in 2023. Um, this is the second no-hitter to come from the Tigers' 2023 pitchers. Yes, it was for the Phillies. We traded him to the Phillies. We knew it was going to happen, but I'm really happy for Michael Lorenzen. I think that he has really turned a corner as a player this year and uh, really uh, shut all those haters up, and I will not let them forget how much they laughed at Lorenzen for going to the All-Star game.
1: Yeah, no, and, and this is actually impressive for a variety of reasons, not the least of which, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I feel pretty confident in saying that the Philadelphia Phillies are a worse team defensively. Than the Detroit Tigers, everybody like last year, their lineups, their lineup was like, oops, all designated hitters and nobody could field the ball. Um, And so, you know, he was, you know, he had a rough stretch with the Tigers, but he did this in front of a team that is not very good defensively. And he did it wearing the coolest damn cleats his custom made vans
0: vans cleats it's those, so cool they, they don't
1: even make though he grew up if you if there's an article on the athletic uh, or piece on the athletic about it if you subscribe go check it out but he talks about how he grew up three blocks from the original vans store like he's from southern california so it's in his blood he was a skateboarder i mean he's a, a phenomenal athlete we all know that he was a proto show hey um but yeah they're just the coolest and now everybody is trying to get their hands on like <laughs> <laughs> and they don't really exist
0: hell yeah mike uh his his mom and his wife yes. were in attendance and just absolutely uh you know so excited that was such an awesome thing to see um and you know good for the phillies like they i think are contenders this year and they're not really getting a lot of buzz like a lot of other teams maybe because they went to the world series last year i don't know but um you know, good for them, and, and good for Lorenzen and good for baseball. We needed another no hitter. It's we had none in the first half of the season, and now we've at least had uh, three since then. So
1: yeah, I thought we. I, we I, te- I texted you. I thought Sale was gonna. Though, Sale was so dominant against the Tigers. I thought he was gonna no hit them. They yeah. couldn't. They couldn't hit
0: dick off him. Anyway, carry on. Um, errors are at an all-time low this year as umpires have been tending to award these borderline infield errors as hits. Have you noticed this? Because The Athletic had it's, a piece about it this week. Yes. And, and it's definitely been something that I've heard a lot of broadcasters talk about. They'll go, oh, and that'll be an error. That was a hit, huh? Um, and there's math to back it up. Um, for the first time since 2019, the sports collective batting average has risen um, uh, from 243 last year to 248 this year. Um, and the number of errors has fallen to the lowest tally per game in recorded history part of a gradual decline since the 1970s. The league fielding average is also an all-time high, 986. That's awesome. I I mean— they ban the shift too, which I also find ahead. incredible that the fielding percentage is that high.
1: Well, that's exactly it. And I, I completely agree. I listen to a lot of radio broadcasts and of, of different games. And every single time I listen to a game, if there's a questionable call like that, like before Jim Price is passing, he would always, you know, so he said, I, I, I wrote that down as uh, as an error in, in pen because mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he just, he thought it was an error. And I agree. And in point of clarification, it's a, there's an official scorer at each stadium, uh, that makes that determination. And there's a conspiracy theory out there that says that Major League Baseball has put down an edict to them that says, eh, maybe let this, you know, be a little more lenient with that so we can say, look, we we banned the shift and it's working. There are more
0: hits. Oh, OK. I see. So you're yes. saying that. Uh, the-
1: They're uh, juicing the numbers. <laughs>
0: Uh, let's get into our first main topic of the day, uh, your explainer on the twenty eighty scale. You had asked me last week, do you know what that is? I said no, and uh, it's just uh, very interesting to learn about it. And, and I'm
1: excited to tell you guys, this is something uh, I'm, I, I think it's safe to say I'm the bigger like stat nerd, you know, of the two of us. Um, and so this is something that's been on my radar for for a while, and I thought it would be uh, really, a really good topic to cover because I don't think a lot of casual fans really follow it. So, in in, in the past few weeks, we've talked a, a lot about prospects. We talk about how uh, we we talked about them when we covered the MLB draft, and then we covered them again. As the trade deadline drew near because prospects are usually the things that get you know the pl- type of players that get moved uh and it's it's really easy to watch a current major league player and make a determination on their ability to perform uh but the average fan has to lean on you know the experience and wisdom of baseball experts be it scouts or your jeff Passons, your uh keith laws ken rosenthal's etc and so when they watch prospects play, they take their notes and then they grade these players on a scale that's been used in baseball for almost 80 years. and It is called the 20, yeah, it's the 2080 scale. So today I thought we'd take a look at that scale, break down what each grade means and give you some real world examples from active or recently active players uh, to help you better understand the scale and how it's used. So I said it was almost 80 years old, right? That's because it is the invention of the scale is credited to the legendary baseball multi-hyphenate Branch Rickey, former player, coach, uh, manager. He's uh, famous. He's most known to most baseball pl- fans as the guy who signed Jackie Robinson.
0: Oh yeah, Harrison Ford.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly that guy. <laughs> Whether he knew it or not, his system was actually, uh, it sort of mirrors various scientific scales. So in in the 2080 scale, uh, 50 is the major league average, and then each 10-point increment represents a standard deviation uh, that is better or worse than average. So 20, 30, 40, 50, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is where it gets a little technical, uh, but uh, you don't really have to remember this part. You're not going to be tested on it. Uh, In a normal distribution, meaning in a normal sample size, there are three standard deviations in either direction should include 99.7% of your sample, which is why the scale is 20 to 80 and not 0 to 100. I just want to put that out there in case you were going, why don't we go 0 to 100? That's why.
0: Can you you simplify that? I'm a little lost there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Think of a bell curve, right? Uh So if you think of your average, uh, so in terms of deviation, so every 10, you know, is where you have like, these are the 20s, these are the 30s, these are the 40s, so on and so forth. So three standard deviations in either direction. So from 50 down to 20, and then from 50 up to 80, that should include 100%. So every time you slide that scale, 100% of your sample size or roughly 99.7% of your sample size should be on either side of that. as you slide back and forth. I got you. Um, that doesn't really apply in this case um, because, and I, again, I didn't wanna get super technical on it, but that is kind of the point, I guess, because the distribution of tools, and we're gonna to get to the tools in a minute, um, Some tools, some tools skew higher in terms of like more players fall into one sort of grade category than another, so it doesn't really apply here. So maybe I shouldn't have included it in my notes. <coughs>
0: well you know what it's there
1: (laughs) (laughs) and then I wrote this line before we get too deep into the scale itself we, we need to take a moment to talk about what the scale is measuring specifically we need to talk about the five tools hitting power running fielding and throwing we've probably all heard the term five tool player thrown around and in general that term is applied to a prospect who grades out at at least average in all five tools which is more rare than its usage would imply most scouts and experts tend to shy away from the term unless the prospect in question grades out at at least a 60 in all five tools and the most prime example of a true five tool player is bo jackson that's that's how rare a true five tool player is
0: and he was also a very good football player too so you know That's how. That's how really rare of a player he was.
1: Oh yeah, I, it would be very easy to point uh, back at that time. Uh, some people might not remember that Dion Sanders uh, was also a two-sport player at that time. But Dion Sanders was not nearly, uh, quite frankly, the football or baseball player that Bo Jackson was. But on the football side, they were. He was a Dion def- was a defensive player. And Bo was an offensive player. So uh, yeah, it's like apples and oranges. Um, now this system. Yeah, <laughs> on its surface is very simple, but it gets modified uh by different teams. Some teams will use the five tool scale, but then break it down even further into like subtopics. So say they give a, a 55 to a guy on his fielding tool, but then on a more granular level, they'll say uh his fielding instincts are a 60, his range is a fifty, and he's got sixty-five hands or his hands are 65. He doesn't have 65. I would like to think if he had 65 hands, he'd be amazing. Um, And also horrible to look at, but (laughs) I don't want to see that. It's like, it's like those like, um, uh, accurate portrayals of angels as described in the yeah, Bible, the right? Biblical angel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just some dude with 65 hands and gloves and Bet he'd be dude. a big,
0: great baseball player though. Oh,
1: amazing. Uh, for pitchers, the scale is way more straightforward. Uh, they just rate each of the player's pitches on the 20 to 80 scale. Uh, and then they either grade the command of each pitch individually, or they'll provide one overall command grade. Uh, as with position players, the granularity of the scale depends on the team. Some teams will do grades for components of command, like throwing quality strikes uh, with control, sort of like uh, throwing it into strike zone, usually closely following walk rate, uh, the pitch ability, and other similar things. Uh, some clubs will go so far as to have scouts grade deception, arm action, uh, how clean, efficient, or loose the arm swings uh, back on, it, on the, the delivery, uh, and other components that the industry Feels predicts health. So if you can imagine what Chris Sale looks like when he pitches, you know, his arm, he's slinging it. If you're a left handed batter and you're facing Chris Sale, he's starting with the ball behind you, right? So, you know, and he's six foot five. So he's throwing it from a good like three feet behind you versus a Lucas Giolito type, who is what they call sort of like a bow and arrow guy, where he's almost like drawing back a bow and delivering almost from the ear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, some people think that a delivery like Sale, like a lot of people thought he would be injured constantly because of his delivery. Well, um, well yeah. But then <laughs> convers- conversely, when Mark Pryor was a prospect, he was considered to be a mechanical freak. Like he had the most perfect, physically perfect delivery. He would never get hurt, never get injured. He was a horse and it didn't matter. So <laughs> um, all of that said, the three core pitches, your fastball, your changeup, and your best breaking ball in command are the four core grades that scouts use to make decisions, uh, and all of that informs the overall grade. Any questions so far?
0: No, it makes sense. It's very. Right. I mean, this is obviously we're we're using MLB players as examples here, but this is mostly applied to guys that are getting scouted, high school players, college players, usually. So you know, we're we're kind of picking at the best examples of of some of these scores. When yeah, I assume it's a lot harder to actually give a score to somebody like 18 years old who you don't know what they're actually going to be in in 10 years when they make the majors. You know.
1: Exactly. And I didn't include that in the notes, but you just touched on something that I vacillated back and forth on, and that is when it comes to different tools, they will break it down. So, like, for example, especially with you're dealing with 18-year-olds coming out of high school, so they'll grade raw power versus, like, projectable power, like Mm -hmm. game power. So they'll say, oh, this guy's got 65 raw power, but I think he's going to be a 45 game power, meaning, like, yeah, he can... Hit him into the upper deck when, you know, it's just somebody throwing 65, 70 miles an hour in, in batting practice. But can he do that to a, a Shohei Otani slider down and away? Right. <laughs> you know, um, so again, it's, 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 it's scaled to the team. It's extremely scalable and it can be as broad or as detailed as a team wants it to be. Uh, and instead of going even further down that rabbit hole, I thought this would be a good point, uh, to go through each deviation, including a couple of sub deviations, uh, on the scale and provide some real world examples, including the terms like that are actually used uh, as shorthand for those grades. N- not every grade has a, uh, a, a term that's applied to it, but I'll let you know when those do. So 20, if somebody grades out as a 20, That's as bad as it gets. So uh, think of Billy Hamilton uh, in terms of his power. Now, his speed, Billy Hamilton, would definitely be an 8. Well, Billy Hamilton at his peak would have been an 80 speed, but his power has always been a 20. Um, Or Yasmani Grandal's speed, the slowest sprint speed in Major League Baseball. So he's going to grade out as a 20. Poor, 30. Thirty is poor, not unplayable. Uh, Edwin Encarnacion, you know, a forty-year-old dude, you know, probably Nelson Cruz's speed when he was still playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think John uh, Carlos Stanton would probably fall into that uh, into that mix uh, these days. Also, uh, Nolan Arenado, I think, is a good uh, thirty-speed kind of guy. Uh, below average, forty. It, think of Eloy Jimenez's defense. You know like god i hope uh, it's it's just an adventure every time the balls hit <laughs> uh, anywhere near him this is where we get the first of our two um sort of sub uh, the ones that actually have terms applied to them these teams can break these down any way they want they can say oh this guy's a 22.75 speed some teams do when you're getting to that granular level and mm-hmm. i actually found a couple of charts uh and i've got the links in the notes where they'll actually apply like times like for catchers uh you know a, a 20 pop time is anything over like 1.95 seconds or something versus 1.75 as an 80 so the like the gap between a 20 and an 80 is so so granular um 45 This is what they call fringe average. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez is a good example of this uh, in terms of his control specifically. Uh, 50, we've reached the vaunted 50 average. Juan Soto's speed, just a perfectly average base runner. Jake Rogers, I think, is probably a good example. I watch the Tigers a lot, as you do. Runs really well for a catcher, and, which is basically average for everybody else. Like,
0: you could go first to third on a decent double to right field, but yep. you're probably not stealing any bases.
1: Ex- exactly. You, you've, but again, there that's where that granularity could come in. So they might mm-hmm. say, he's a 55, or let's just say he's a 50, um, but his instincts on the base paths are 60, uh, but his pure sprint speed is a 40. So you can overcome certain deficiencies to get to a larger score. 55 above average, Nick Castellanos' power. Unless something terrible has happened, then there is no (laughs) scale uh, capable of measuring his true power.
0: Did we actually check if he homered tonight or if the Phillies are even playing tonight given the Franco news?
1: I would go back and check the box scores but I'm pretty sure there was a two-run bomb in there somewhere. You do, you, you you take a look at that over the last couple of days and I'll keep going on the on the, the Phillies
0: 20- did not play tonight. No. Uh yesterday they lost they got shut up by the Twins so
1: Definitely no. Okay. Well, it's happening it's- tomorrow guaranteed. It's, yeah. Wait until we find get a final determination.
0: Yes, there you go.
1: He could go four for four with five home runs somehow.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: 60 plus. They say this is plus. This guy has plus speed. So if you say if you hear somebody say, uh, usually like when they're introducing a pitcher at the beginning of a game, they'll say, oh, this guy's got a plus slider. That's about a 60. Um, Alex Bregman's speed is a good example of that. Or Steven Strasburg's control when he's not being held together by wishes and duct tape. Um, That poor guy. Uh, 70. This is where we get into the cleverly named plus plus. So if 60 is plus, uh, 70 is plus plus. Uh, These are some of the best tools in the game. Think of uh, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s arm. Uh, Jacob deGrom's slider or Francisco Lindor's defense. Like once you get to 70, you are doing that one thing particularly well and you're known for it. I would also throw uh, Adam Adevino's slider in there and in that mix, uh, Devin Williams's changeup, the airbender, that kind of thing. Uh, And then 80 is the top of the scale. This is uh, some scouts consider only one player's tool in. All of Major League Baseball to be eighty. There's there's very few people, if any, uh, that would be eighty. Although I would argue that we could make an argument for Shohei to have a couple 80s. Um, you're talking Aaron Judge's power, Byron Buxton's speed, uh, or, or Roldus Chapman's fastball. Like that's mm-hmm. you know that's what we're talking about when we get if you're
0: touching 103 on the dot, located perfectly no movement, top velocity, that's your fucking 80 right there.
1: Yep. you're, you're t- And again, the 80 can be a variety of things. So, you know, I I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, but, like, if you've got a 97, 98-mile-an-hour fastball, like Garrett Cole uh, at his peak, he's got that fastball that has, all, like, hardly any vertical drop. Like that's when people say, oh, he's got a rising fastball. What that means is that it just resists gravity's pull more. So it's harder for a hitter to predict that it's going to drop where they think it's going to drop. And that's why they tend to swing under those or, you know, under those pitches. Um, So, yeah. So there you go. That's uh, a quick Quick and dirty explainer on the 2080 scale. So next year, or anytime you hear them talk about prospects, but especially as the draft comes up, any draft coverage, uh, go check out, you know, and see. Like it'll usually have those five tools, usually abbreviated, hit PWR, SPD, you know, that sort of thing, and uh, and go take a look, and you'll see, like, even like Max Clark this year and Wyatt Langford, like the guys at the top. These guys, I think the highest grade that any of them got on anything was like, I think maybe Paul Skeen's got a seventy for his fastball. Um, but okay. a prospect, get, a prospect any getting upwards of sixty on any of these things um, is pretty rare, unless it's like the thing that they are known for. You know, so right. so there you go. So put that in your back pocket. Uh, apply it in your your daily life. You know, maybe apply it to your spouse. Uh, don't tell them. <laughs> I think that would be a really bad idea um, to just start actively grading everything your spouse does, but it could be funny. Yeah,
0: that's a plus uh, 55, uh, 55-ish uh, <laughs> dinner you made right there. It's interesting. I, I'm reading Moneyball right now, and it's kind of fascinating how you know, this, this, this scale is a function that they've definitely brings into play before being brings about Moneyball as it is. But a lot of the scouts are also like, he's got great hands. He's got a great baseball body and stuff like that. How stuff like this still took a backseat to like, this guy's going to grow up to be a good looking baseball player. And, uh, there's a great line in the book where it's like, are we selling jeans or are we, uh, are we selling baseball? And so that's kind of the the flip side of it is I think baseball is approaching this more and as the analytical age has has progressed um how important a lot of these numbers are
1: yeah i I don't remember the movie uh very well off the top of my head but the book really went it have you gotten to the chapter yet about Jeremy Brown the catcher from the University of Alabama
0: I don't think so. I'm very I'm slow reader. No, that's fine.
1: No, there there's a I don't know if they do a whole chapter on it, but they talk a lot about him because he was like nobody knew who he was, but he was by all measures, especially by Paul De Podesta's um, you know algorithms and whatnot, he was the best hitter in all of college baseball. But he was a fat catcher, so Mm. you know they'd say he has a bad body and 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 Billy wanted to draft him in the first round. And I think he did. I think they drafted him at like the 30th pick, like, cause they'd had a really good season the year before. Um, but he was on nobody's board and Billy and Paul were like, no, he's the top of our board. Um, there's also the fun story about how they called uh, Kevin Euclid, the Greek God of walks, uh, yeah. to, to which Kevin Euclid resp- replied, I'm Jewish. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> not, I don't know. Not Greek. So yeah, there you go. 2080 scale. Thanks for, uh, Thanks for coming to my TED Talk.
0: Hell yeah. And now let's move on to Conspiracy Corner. I'm not going to scroll.
1: I'm not going to scroll down down the, the script. Uh, you said and i quote i want everybody to know what he said in the script he said carl do not scroll further no spoilies
0: <laughs> so i i was uh doing a, i was thought, thinking that this would just be me presenting my conspiracy theory today and then i i read something this morning i was like wait a minute kind of broke something open so uh bear with me folks I did some, some math today that I, I, I'm a little proud of, but I'm not a math guy. So uh, I did check a couple of these numbers and I got them right. So um, I'll also give another caveat that I am a Mets fan. I'm a Tigers fan first, but I am a Mets fan. So there's a little bit of bitterness, especially after last year. But uh, but taking aside how I feel about the the rivalry or the teams, I do feel like we have another 2017 Astros situation on our hands and more people need to be talking about it. I would also like to add another caveat before we start that I just read a conspiracy theory before we went to air that um, the Braves, I guess, are hacking pitch comms. This is not what this is about. Um, don't really care for that conspiracy theory. It, it, maybe it plays into this. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. I'm getting more into what is happening and why. So here we go. Are the Braves cheating at baseball? So the Braves are the best team in baseball. Uh, They're currently, as of Monday, sitting at a 75-42 and record, about two or three games above the uh, Orioles. Um, They've won the most games, they've scored the most runs, they've hit the most home runs. They have the best slash line. Just about every offensive category you can think of, they're leading it. Sports writers, Braves fans, Braves haters, uh, all of them have said this is one of the best offensive teams in the history of baseball, driven by pure, natural power, and talent. It's almost too good to be true. Well, this podcaster thinks it is too good to be true. And while I've posited a few times this year that the Braves might be cheating or using performance-enhancing drugs, a couple of times we brought it up on the show. I think I might have cut out a segment at one point. Um, I believe I've unlocked some pretty solid evidence in favor of the theory and why it's happening. So let's get into the evidence. Offensive production is indeed up across the board. Not a math guy, but I did some math. So... <laughs> The Braves are currently on pace to hit roughly 308 home runs as a team, 65 more than last year, and at a rate roughly 50% higher than 2021 or 2022. And I do want to remind everybody, I cite a lot of stats from 2021. They won the World Series that year. That's really important to keep in the back of your mind. Um, This would make them the most home run hitting team in the history of baseball. Putting that out there, 308. The record is 307. Uh, Team OPS is a full 10% higher than either 2021 or 2022. Batting average is 20% higher. They're on pace to strike out about 100 times fewer, Uh, but the walk rate is roughly the same. So on base, you'd think should be about the same but no it's not they're on pace to win 103 games this year they won 101 last year so it's improvement across the board and it's roughly the same team they didn't make any huge additions in the offseason um another little piece of evidence i have is that players aren't missing games in spite of everything i mean just the general wear and tear of a baseball season most players do not play every single game in fact, if you have one player on your team play every single game in a season, that's, like, huge. The Braves have four. Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzie Albies, Matt Olson, and Austin Riley have all played in all of the Braves' games this season. We're at 118, I think, as of press time. Um, the last time an MLB team had four players play in every one of their team's uh, first 110 games was the 1944 Cincinnati Reds. They've now blown past that by a week. All of these players... Are having career years by a decent margin. Now these are projected numbers for this year based on what they've done so far. I think Matt Olson might actually blow these out of the out of the water the way he's been performing in August. Acuna uh, is projected for 37 home runs this year, a 1.0 OPS. 76 stolen bases. His career average is 37 home runs, about the same, but he's performing about 100 points higher on OPS and about 35 more stolen bases than his career average. Ozzie Albies is even more interesting. Projected for 42 home runs this year, 850 OPS. His career average is 28 home runs and an 800 OPS. Matt Olson is probably the most bizarre case projected for 60 home runs. He currently leads the league in home runs, Uh, 1.005 OPS. His career average is 42 home runs and 868. And Austin Riley projected for 38 home runs, 852 OPS, uh, career average 36 home runs, 847 OPS. Now I mainly focused on these four because they've played every game. We've got the most complete stats on them, but also um, I didn't have time to explore every player, Based on the team numbers, it seems like everybody's doing better across the board. Um, Acuna in particular has left games multiple times because he took pitches off of his hand or his arm or his elbow. Left the game. It looked like a serious injury. And he's back in the lineup the next day. What the fuck is that all about? So, and it's, they've looked like bad injuries too. And it's not just like, oh, pop him in a cortisone shot, it'll be fine. It's sort of like, oh, this would break a guy's bone under normal circumstances. Editor's note... This was recorded before Ozzie Albies joined the 10-day IL with a hamstring injury, so I guess they are indeed human. However, he was replaced by recent trade acquisition Nicky Lopez, who has nearly doubled his average OPS and home runs since joining the Braves. Go figure. The other one I found very interesting. Management seems to be overconfident in pitching, and this is sort of a feels thing. This is an eye test, and I know it's probably a little more getting into the conspiracy than the numbers, but uh, their star starting pitchers, uh, Spencer Strider, Charlie Morton, they're among the league leaders in wins, despite not even cracking the top 30 in ERA. Strider does lead the league in strikeouts and is among the top in the uh, opponent batting average. Uh, The bullpen is just outside the top 10 with roughly the same ERA, and yet pitching isn't winning them games. The offense is. I noticed this with Sunday's game versus the Mets. Now, the Mets had lost three in a row against the Braves. They got blown out over the weekend. The Braves scored like 38 runs in a doubleheader to the Mets like three or something like that. Kind of felt like the rubber game that you kind of give away to the Mets, sure. But everybody wants to win games. No one wants to just lose, especially to a team like the Mets. So the Mets, of course, have struggled a lot. And manager Brian Snicker left... uh, Starter Yanni Chirinos in after allowing two bases loaded walks that tied the game three to three. Kinda seemed like he was just giving the game to the Mets at that point. Once the reliever came in, Mets were able to take the lead and blow it slightly open to seven to three. In in a normal game, that's sort of like fuck, we're down. Four runs is a lot to come back from. Um, in total, it was a six-run inning on just four hits. A lot of that came down to Braves pitching doing bad. And they didn't get yunked right away either. Um that's that's a lot of confidence in pitchers <laughs> that are just doing terribly. Um, the Mets being who they are, they blew that lead up. Um, the Braves were allowed to hit two home runs, total of three RBIs, uh, nearly blew the game. The Mets did win, but it was one of those things of like, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to hit more home runs. We will <laughs> win the game. We don't care. How could he have known that unless it was predetermined? Water break.
1: I think it's excellent that this is an audio medium and you sound a little bit like Charlie Day. <laughs>
0: you can see me with the board full of of uh threads and pins and pepe silvia who's pepe Silvia? um see there you go so then i started thinking about okay we've seen players individual stats increase year to year on steroids we've known the players that have been on them jose cansego probably the best example of a guy that we know exactly when he started taking steroids so i looked at the numbers very very similar rise to the Braves that we're looking at. Uh, You know, he wrote that book, Juice, so we know he he started taking steroids around the the age of the Bash Brother. Um, 1986, he was hitting 33 home runs, 77, 775 OPS, 15 stolen bases. In 88, he hit 42 home runs, 959 OPS, and 40 stolen bases. I want to focus on the stolen bases, too, because it's not just power. It's athleticism across the board you're not just transforming your body to hit with more power you're just transforming your body to be better athletically that's why it's performance enhancing for every sport not just not just the arm stuff but the running the fielding the hitting the taking injuries stuff like that
1: explosive movements exactly sprinting and getting a good start on your jump from first to second
0: now canseco was one part of a duo called the bash brothers and mcguire started around 86 with the a's so there's not a lot of big uh stats on him prior to the bash brothers era admittedly he could have been on steroids this whole time he's only admitted to being on steroids in the 90s if i looked at his 90s stats in 1992 42 home runs 970 ops 96 he goes to 52 home runs 1.198 ops you can see the way that steroids help these guys in their careers. Alex Rodriguez, he was off and on steroids throughout his career, and we can actually see it in his stat line. Oh, this was a year with steroids. This was a year without, or or less of them, or less effective ones, you know? I looked at 2006 versus 2007. Uh, 06 was 35 home runs, 914 OPS, 15 stolen bases, 2007, 54 home runs, 1.067 OPS, 24 stolen bases. He eclipsed his career average by about uh, 14 home runs and uh, 20 points of OPS. Um, And I was curious about the about the the team's success because it's rare. It mostly the time you hear about this, it's just players, you know, not. Entire teams taking steroids, and I understand that this this is where it gets really crazy. Back in the Bash Brothers days, people were already accusing them of being on steroids. People were chanting steroids. His MVP, uh, Conseco's MVP, was a little tainted that year because people were thinking, well, he's definitely on steroids. So I'm not alone when seeing this kind of offensive production bounce like this. To think something's up, and this was even before you know the big steroid scandals. So now we get to the why. The big reason why we're all here. Okay, Matt, sure, they're cheating. Why would they cheat? They won a World Series two years ago. They're the best team in baseball. They don't need to cheat. Why would the Braves cheat? Well, I'll tell you. The Braves are one of only two MLB teams under majority corporate corporate ownership. The other team is the Blue Jays. The Braves are the only publicly traded team in baseball, and stocks went up for sale this July. Now, the move does make it easier for their ownership group, Liberty Media, to sell the team, if they so choose, by removing them from their corporate structure. It's unknown if that had actually happened. They paid about $1.5 billion in 2007 when they acquired the team. Team value is currently at $2.6 billion. They'd make them the most valuable team in Major League Baseball. What makes a team more valuable? Wins. World Series wins. And people being able to buy stock for a team. Publicly traded. You could go buy Brave stock right now. And honestly, if this team keeps winning, doesn't the stock seem it wants to go up? I don't know much about stocks, but that would make sense to me. A couple of other things. Um, They've spent the last few years locking up a large chunk of their regular players to team-friendly deals, especially including all those guys we mentioned earlier. Acuna, Albies, uh, Olsen, Riley. Um, All of them having career years. More suspiciously, many of these deals were handed out so soon after they acquired them or when they made their debut. I know Acuna was... Rookie of the Year, I know they've all had great careers, but, like, immediately signed for long-term deals, and they've drastically outperformed their value. How could the team have known that? That's the part I'm like, you hand You hand, you know, Ozzie Albies this, this huge contract— and you'd think, like, well, you know, he's he's mostly a, a, um, a replacement for, like, a, a Dansby Swanson, you know. He, he was sort of taking it—he was on the team with Swanson, too, but he kind of took in that role. And he's drastically outperformed that by a huge margin. Um, and the, the most damning thing is that the Braves' farm system is regu- regarded as one of the worst in the league. The only investment that this team has made in their future is limited to this current roster for the next— six-ish years. That's it. So my theory is that this team is determined to quickly, and I mean like right now, build a dynasty, win as much as possible, and as dominantly as possible, get as many playoffs wins, World Series wins, hit as many home runs, do something flashy and big, and win as disgustingly and loudly as possible, inflate that stock, get people to buy that stock, overvalue this team... So that they can sell this team at a huge, huge benefit to them. It's, it's a stock-driven team. It's, and it's stock that's not driven by business decisions. It's driven by on-field performance of their product. So they're winning and inflating the stock by any means necessary. And yes, I do think that means cheating.
1: You know, this is very reminiscent <clears throat> of the comic book series and subsequently the amazon prime television series the boys because what it sounds like you're saying <laughs> is that liberty media is vaught and they have their own special formula so to speak in this case possibly steroids um you know I, I had no idea i had no idea what you were going to say before you said all of this i'm a believer I'm a full believer. It would not surprise me because like when you messaged me about this and we talked about like, could steroids be back? We talked about how steroids has always been a cat and mouse game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the mouse in this case would be the players trying to uh, take the steroids and elude the, the cat, which in this case is like decency, I guess, or, you know, whatever MLB, uh, the department of justice, whomever, the government, the government got involved in the steroid scandal the last time around. But, The mouse is always advancing science faster than the cat. That's just the way it is. People who are trying to detect steroids are always playing from behind. That's just the way it is. Do I think that a team could learn lessons from what happened 25 years ago in the last steroid scandal and say, let's keep this shit in-house Nobody breathes a goddamn word about it. We have our own special formula. That's what happened with the, the sticky stuff. There was a, a yeah. p- Dudes were calling the one guy who worked for the Angels because he had that special mix. They had a proprietary mix. Could it reasonably happen that this team and this organization has done that? It, I, I, I think yes. Are we saying definitively? Matt is. I'm scared <laughs> to death. Um, <laughs> but the one flaw and there's only one minor flaw in your plan that I, I still don't think sinks it. That is Matt Olson has historically been durable. Uh, he injured himself at the beginning of the 2019 season. He had a broken bone, uh, the hamate bone, or hamate bone, the, that seems to be breaking in everybody these days. Um, but otherwise, he's played an Either every game or, like, I think his lowest total was 156 outside of the 60-game 2022 season. But that said, his offensive production, he I think he kept, like, 39 home runs was his his previous season high, and he's already eclipsed that with, like, 40 games to go.
0: Yeah, and like Um, I said, on pace for 60, which is as many as Judge hit last year with huge fanfare, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. By the end of this month, if he continues on this streak, him and Shohei both, it's going to be... It's going to be a lot in September. You're going to never hear the goddamn end of it. Um, the only thing that's going to make it a little more tolerable is the fact that he's not playing in New York. Um, yeah. And so we're not going to get like that constant East Coast bombardment, but uh, he is playing for the Braves, so that sucks. Um, I. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before we have another steroid scandal. I, I, I firmly believe that. And if you were going to try and convince me that this was it, or at least the start of it, I I'd buy in. So you've, you've convinced me. I, I, I strongly believe that this could be happening. I'm not going to, obviously I have, you know, nothing definitive to say about it, but like I told you before the record, I'm like terrified. This is going to be our John boy moment. (laughs) Like next thing I know we're going to be talking to Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal, uh, and being interviewed for the athletic God, I hope I'm wrong because I'm nervous about everything, (laughs) Um, but I, I don't think it will.
0: The numbers are out there if you want to check my math. Uh, I used Baseball Reference for a majority of it, um, MLB.com, StatMuse, and I hate to say it, uh, for some of these, uh, especially the the older players um, like Canseco and Maguire, I used ChatGDP. G- a uh, little easier to compile the questions of what was this year versus this year. Um, but, you know, I... <laughs> i didn't know that with baseball reference you can actually export to a uh, an excel file so mm. i was doing a lot of that i was doing a lot of excel work uh i'm not a math guy i've said it a million times on the show and i was doing so much math for this because i was like these numbers don't make fucking sense players have great years i'm not going to deny that at all i mean you know shohei otani gets better year after year you know I-, I think that that is real talent i wouldn't even say these guys are bad baseball players i i fully admit that they are very good baseball players i mean olsen was great with the a's you know acuna i think has been good for a long time and and injury is really the only thing that's brought him down i just think that there's something to this entire team hitting at this extraordinary level and no one is questioning it no everyone is just wow the braves are doing so good i was a little tuned out of baseball in 2017 was everyone like wow the astros are just winning so many games this is crazy because to me this is like something has to be looked at here like it's just and if it's nothing great we'll move past it the Braves can win their world series and 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 I'll call it a day but i just wish more people in baseball media would think like <laughs> it's too good to be true because it must be
1: yeah some i uh, somebody will ask the question and it, nobody did ask the question right away uh, with the Astros. Everybody was rather enamored because they had spent so many years being a laughingstock. We've mentioned it on the show before. Like in 2011, they had a a Nielsen rating of 0.0. 0. Their games were being watched by nobody. Wow. And they were drafting play. They drafted Carlos Correa. I, I believe Jose Altuve was an international signing. Uh, Kyle Tucker was in there somewhere. Alex Bregman was in there somewhere. And they did some really smart things. But then they also cheated Mm -hmm. you know so i it's 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 not unheard of and i it's i i think i do think but again it time you know time is a great uh time is a great antiseptic and so is sun yeah uh so you know shed a little light on it you know give it some time if if they sell this team in the next like two to three years i am gonna give you the heartiest biggest most uncleist slap on the back (laughs) because you nailed it um, I
0: didn't get too much into Liberty Media themselves. They're a kind of conglomerate that owns a lot of stuff. Look them up on your own. I also just saw that BlackRock owns about 10% of a oh share in God. Liberty <laughs> Media. Yeah. They're They're kind of their own nefarious group. But specifically, I wanted to focus on their the the parent company that they own the Braves under, which is called Braves Holdings or whatever. And that's the part that's publicly traded. So the Liberty Media element of it aside... I do think that there is a strong chance that this is loudly signaling. And, they, you know, in the press release, they're like, well, we've made it clear that we are a very well-run baseball organization, and, and we want everyone to know that this is this is the kind of baseball organization that you set an example by. Okay, yeah. You're trying to sell the team. You're trying to show, buy this team, everybody, and, and buy stocks. Braves fans are buying stocks like crazy. And I would, too, if, if the Tigers were publicly traded. Fuck it, you know? But-
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to own one share in Marvel, so I get it. Hey. Yeah, back when they were still a publicly traded company that only made comic books. But, uh, you know, that's how old I am. Man, I you know what? I hate the Braves, but I still I I still respect the hustle, I guess. But if the hustle was a little... Ju- and that's the other thing I want... That was the point I wanted to make. Yes, they are great baseball players, but a lot of bad players took steroids too. And that's something that we talked about in our text thread was that most of the guys who got dinged for them... You got a couple of, of bigger names it caught up in all that, but most of the players that got busted for it were career minor leaguers who never amounted to anything. And then there are some guys who just got away with it and just had a middling career either way steroids are not and like a magic elixir they're not going to i'm not going to take steroids and then go out and hit 45 50 home runs neither are you you know that's why i i mean i still think like barry bonds should be in the hall of fame irrespective of whatever he did he was a great fucking baseball player his his career before you know he went to the giants was a hall of fame career um he was just a dude who was hyper competitive and pissed off that mark mcguire and sammy sosa were getting all this love um and and he wasn't and so he decided to do what he had to do and became the barry bonds that we all remember and 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 mock in some circles these days so are are already good players taking steroids and making themselves better collectively quite possibly at this point i i it's just a a case of like, let's hurry up and wait and find out. Yeah. But I I tell you this, I am going to be paying a lot more, a, a little closer attention to the Braves now that you've done this and uh, <laughs> paying more attention to the, uh, uh, the Liberty Media and uh, fucking, you said BlackRock and my stomach just dropped. Go Google BlackRock and uh, do it on an empty stomach because it's just a yeah. terrible organization all the way around. But gra- dude, great job. Thank Seriously. you so much. That Thank was a, you so much. That was a well laid out case. And even if it is just that, even if it is a conspiracy theory, uh, that, and it proves to, it, it, nothing comes of it. and We never hear of it ever again. You're, you, you, pardon the pun, you showed your work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, with that, that will do it for another episode of Put Me in Coach. Um, I swear to God, next week we're going to talk about weird injuries. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll dive into uh, uh, how Ronald Lacuna keeps breaking his hand and coming back the next day. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Um, But until then, you, of course, can find us on all the socials and everything. You'll hear the plugs at the end. Carl, any parting thoughts? Any baseball uh, meditations?
1: Uh, Congratulations to Kevin Brown, who is now uh, back in the Baltimore Orioles uh, broadcast booth. Uh, He put out a very lovely message to the fans, you know, saying he was bummed that it was, uh, you know, attention was paid to him. It should be on the team and the great season they're having. Uh, And that made me feel good. So... I'm excited. I'm excited about that. Oh, another fun fact. When I was doing my research for my 2080 scale. Do you know which Detroit Tiger is ranked 13th in Major League Baseball in terms of arm strength? I do not. Zach McKinstry. He has the 13th highest average miles per hour on his throws. I was very impressed. Number one, Nolan Jones of the Colorado Rockies.
0: I don't know who that is. Nolan Jones?
1: Nolan Jones. Ellie De La Cruz is up there. Fernando Tatis is up there. Uh, O'Neill Cruz would be up there, but shout out zach mckinstry you're the 13th best thrower guy in the baseball
0: makes the whole Tigers situation weirder because right now they got matt Vierling playing third base and mckinstry's uh somewhere around second usually but like put the guy in the outfield but i guess we don't have room in the outfield because we've got two other lefties that also throw okay so (laughs) yeah what can you do that's the tigers for you (laughs) all right well for put me in coach we will see you next week Put Me In Coach is an Arctic Sounds original podcast hosted by Matt Coggins and Carl Mizell. Theme music is by Quack Quack Seatback, edited and produced by Matt Coggins. Check out the footnotes of this episode to see links to all the great highlights, articles, and sources we mentioned on the podcast today, as well as the full theme song and ways to get in touch with us. For more, find us on Twitter and Instagram at Put Me In Pod or at our website, PutMeInCoachPod.com.